0: Beyond the Burr Oaks, Chapter 7 The next day was Monday. The sun rose much brighter than usual. I laughed to myself when I thought back two weeks of how a day with the same brightness had seemed so dark and dreary, How I appreciated life after all those tedious days! All day long I crowded the still beyond its capacity in hopes of getting most of the mash run through before Slim came that night. Three barrels of mash were left to be run through the still when the time came for the tall, silent stranger to make his habitual visit. I was sort of disappointed when he didn't arrive, and after letting the fire die down, I fell asleep in a chair. Although I was a nervous wreck from need of rest, I was awakened at three in the morning by the squeaking of the kitchen door hinges. Jumping to my feet, I ran upstairs and came face to face with Slim, who had a silly grin on his face. Without a word, he pushed by me, chuckling to himself as he looked at me. I followed him to the basement, where he took a drink from the keg. Putting the empty glass back on the keg, he looked at me and chuckled again. It caused a chill to come over me. Picking up an old, shattered mirror, I scrutinized myself. No wonder he chuckled. Even I laughed. What a sight I was, with a thirty-days growth of whiskers of an uneven shade, sticking out in every direction. I was a disgrace to mankind. Weaving my way between the barrels to where Slim was preparing some things to take away, I offered my assistance. He began grinning again. Ha ha, some brush I'm growing, ain't it, Slim? I remarked jovially. What you mean? he asked, astonished. Why, "'Why, my whiskers,' I stammered. "'Huh, I never noticed them.' "'What in are you laughing at, then?' I blurted out angrily. Like a flash, his grin disappeared, and with a jerk he straightened up, holding a pipe-wrench aloft, ready to strike me. I withered under his cold, piercing stare, but as I backed away beyond his reach, My fingers came in contact with an iron bar, which I clasped tightly, defying him to strike. His eyes slowly followed my hand to the bar where they came to a halt for a second. Looking up at my face again, he sneered, but with a careless shrug of his shoulders, he lowered the wrench and went about his work. It was not cowardice, but amusement that made him do it for he kept up his tormenting jeers until I felt like a guilty weakling. Having picked up the scattered material about the place, he began carrying the jugs of moonshine out to the sleigh. Each time he was about to mount the steps, that same old sneer would appear on his face as he glanced in my direction. How this discouraged and disheartened me! I searched my mind for a reason for his scoffing, but it was of no avail. The more I thought of it, the more puzzled I became. A guilty feeling came over me which made all the brightness of only a few hours before fade away. At last I heard Slim speak to the horses, then heard the crunching of the snow as they started the heavy load. Although he had gone, His mocking grins had lingered to haunt me. I knew there was something behind his scoffing, and many illusions began to present themselves to me. I imagined Roy leaving the country as I sat there patiently waiting for his return. But then I would reason with myself. He owned this place. Then again, he was going into partnership with Slim. No, I soliloquized aloud. He wouldn't go away. There also was Dora. Maybe he had told her lies, which would make her hate me. This I put aside, because it would take more than Roy Tanner to convince her that I was doing wrong. Tears came to my eyes when I thought of those I loved Perhaps they were in need of food, with old Jake Faring ready to snatch their little home away from them. One thing after another presented itself, but I could come to no conclusion why that tormenting brute had found such amusement in aggravating me with his taunts. Wishing to occupy my mind with something more cheerful, I sauntered out in the center of the floor where I took in the whole surroundings with one sweeping glance, in search of something to do. The first things I caught sight of were two full jugs of raw moonshine that the tall stranger had neglected to take with him. Picking them up, I put them to one side. Then I took a big iron poker and stirred the fire under the still. But it was impossible for me to become interested in my work that evening of the silent stranger drove all else from my mind except worry which set me to fretting and pacing back and forth before i was conscious of it my pace had increased until it was like that of a raving caged lion now and then i stopped but only long enough to snatch a hurried drink of the strong liquor in the keg. Each drink of the strangling fluid, instead of relieving my mind of its burden as before, made me even more suspicious of Roy. The more I reasoned, the more evident it seemed that I had been duped into all those long, tedious days of evil by this heartless cur who knew I would sacrifice anything for those I loved. Every muscle in my body began to quiver, and I burst out crying like a child. The whole thing seemed so hopeless and sad. As my weeping died away, a hate and a craving for vengeance slowly crept into my heart, driving all my tender feelings before it. "'Half crazed by the liquor, I snatched up the iron bar "'and carelessly flung it over my shoulder. "'With wavering and almost uncontrollable legs, "'bleary eyes that misjudged every step, "'and a crazed mind with only one intent, to get hold of Roy, "'I dashed toward the basement steps. "'Mounting the stairs, I uttered a terrible oath and was hurled back through the air. A low, muffled sound came to my ears as I hit the hard basement floor. The surroundings whirled for an instant. Then they went blank. It seemed as though I had been dreaming for years when I awoke and felt a straw mattress beneath me and the warmth of woolen blankets tucked about my shoulders. I shook my head and felt around again to make sure I wasn't still dreaming. Thinking I was back with my loved ones again, I gave a cry of joy. I threw the blankets back and made an attempt to leap from the bed, but the sharp pains that went shooting through my spine changed the tone of my voice from joy to misery. As I lay there moaning, I heard footsteps coming to my aid through the dense darkness, then the jingle of keys and the squeaking hinges of a heavy door. A light switch clicked, and the place was aglow with a brightness that blinded me for a second. Rubbing my eyes and blinking rapidly, I slowly turned my head in the direction where someone had entered. My eyes came to a halt and my jaw dropped lifelessly as I lay there staring in awe at Dick Keller, the sheriff. Beyond him, I could see the black iron bars of a cell. My gaze wandered aimlessly around the cell, then back to Dick Keller, who was looking down at me sympathetically. I'm sorry to see you here, Ken, he said softly. "'It wasn't my fault, or I'd have given you a chance to get away. "'I tried to speak, but the lump that rose in my throat hindered me. "'His soothing words only made me feel worse. "'Yes, Ken,' he went on, "'if it weren't for your having been so darn drunk, "'you may have had a chance. "'But there you was, all sprawled out on the floor, "'with breath that smelt like a still itself.' I wasn't that drunk, I contradicted. I fell and hurt myself. Ah, what's the use of lying, Ken? He said in disgust. I ought to know, for I picked you up myself. But I wasn't, I denied angrily. I, I'm hurt. Right now I can't even move from this bed. We'll darn soon find out how bad you're hurt. "'promised the sheriff, leaving the cell hurriedly. "'I could hear him talking over a telephone to a doctor. "'He slammed up the receiver and reappeared, "'displaying a satisfied smile. "'Well, the doctor will be here pretty soon,' "'he half-threatened, pulling a chair up to the bed. "'All the better,' I asserted with a sigh. "'For a while, we both were silent,' glancing now and then at each other, as if waiting for the other to break the monotony. Then, at last, he asked softly, his eyes searching my face to see what effect the question had upon me. Ken, have you any idea who squealed on you for making moonshine? No, nor do I care, I hurled back, but I'd like to know how I got up to this jail in so short a time. "'A short time,' he remarked with a grin. "'Why, man, we raided you yesterday at ten o'clock, "'and it's nigh time for the Wednesday sun to show itself. "'That is, in an hour or so.' "'My God, no, Dick, is it?' "'And I'm supposed to meet Roy Tanner today and get that money. "'My gosh, Dick, what'll I do? "'Can't you go, Dick?' I implored. "'Go where, man?' Are you crazy or what? No, no, Dick, I'm not crazy or anything like it, I cried out in despair. Roy owes me money, I went on. The money for making that moonshine, and he's going to be at the cabin today. Can't you see, Dick, and I want you to get the money and give it to old Dave Lane, will you? Dave Lane, he groaned with a slow shake of his head. What's the matter? I wailed. Has something happened to Dave? Yes, he nodded. He's been dead for two weeks. No, no, Dick. You don't mean that Dave, Dave Lane is dead? Yes, my boy, he is. And I can't see how you've kept from hearing it before. But I do, I sobbed. If, if I ever get my hands on Roy, I'll kill him. He kept it from me for his own sake. From what I understand of things, Ken, I wouldn't blame you. But I'd advise you to tell me all, and then I'll handle this Roy Tanner. Although I tried to squeal, it was impossible when I thought of old Dave having died, thinking me a coward who had deserted him in his hour of need. The grief gnawed deep into my heart and the inward tears of sorrow mounted into my throat, as if an artery had been severed and I was gurgling blood. If I could only die and be with this true friend, father and pal of mine, for he had been all, maybe then I could prove to him the sacrifice I had made.